This is Sunday morning worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal in this church, March the 28th, 2021, with our senior pastor, Reverend Jerry Barbie, bringing the Palm Sunday message, Stop the Resurrection. The praise team will start off singing Waymaker. God. 
favorite praises to God, just go ahead and praise him a little bit. Somebody get excited. Yeah. Shout hallelujah. One more time. Oh, I know the angels in heaven are rejoicing right now. Somebody shout praise him. You might be seated. God's good, ain't it? Amen. This being Palm Sunday. A lot going on. Next week is Easter. Resurrection Sunday. I mean, it's ready for Resurrection Sunday. Wouldn't it be awesome if the resurrection took place next week? Yes, Some people say, wait a minute, preacher. I got a lot more stuff to do first. Well, better get it done. Amen. Message this morning. Come out of the book of John, chapter number 12, 9 through 15. Chapter John, John chapter 12, verses 9 through 15. Talking about resurrection. Our message this morning is stop the resurrection. We want to die. What do you think about that? Stop the resurrection. We want to die. Wow. I don't want to stop nothing in that order, do you? But anyway, let's see what the Bible says. John 12, verse 9. Much people. Much people means a lot of people. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also whom he had raised from the dead. They recognized or they knew he was there. How did they know he was there? Somebody told them. Somebody went out and told us, Jesus is on the way. He's going to be here after a while. I don't want us to ever walk out and have to tell somebody Jesus is going to be here after a while. I want you to be able to say in Pine Level that Jesus is already here. He's just waiting for us to walk in the place. Amen? Glory. But number 10, but the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Mm. Can you imagine? Lazarus thinking, I died, I rose again, now they want to kill me. Wow, he must be a preacher somewhere. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they want to put Lazarus to death. Stop the resurrection, we want to die. Verse 11, because by that reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. On the next day, much people, many people, multitude of people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. How many know Jesus make a difference? When they heard he was coming there, amen, Verse 13, they took branches of palm trees, went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Verse 14, and Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's coat. Let me tell you something this morning. Somebody say, God, that's the reading of his word. Amen. Now look at this, 9 and 11, verses 9 and 11. Much people, the Bible said, of the Jews therefore knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus only, not for him only. They didn't come just to see Jesus, they come to see the miracle also. But before you can see the miracle, you have to see the miracle worker. Amen. Jesus is the one that got them there, but then they said, well, we also want to see Lazarus. Amen. But that they might see Lazarus also whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest consulted uh, that they might put Lazarus also to death because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went, went away and believed on Jesus. Amen. You know, it won't, it won't the ordinary people out there in the world giving Jesus such a problem. It was the high priest. The church was giving him the problem. Amen. The power of Jesus to raise the dead was news that spread through the land like wildfire. If, if somebody here was to die and we could gather around them and get down and anoint them and pray for them and they'd be raised from the dead, uh, that word's going to get around like wildfire. You can get everything in the world on Facebook, but you might not get that on Facebook. Whoa, let me get back over here. The Messiah has come is what the word went out. The Messiah has come. The Messiah has come. 
That's what they were shouting, the deliverer that will lead Israel to a new dawn of freedom from oppression has come. Only the Messiah could have the power to raise the dead. Nobody else could do that. That's what they were thinking. Nobody could ever do that. Only the Messiah can raise the dead. Visions of freedom and dreams of deliverance filled their, their hearts of most of the Jews, but there were some who did not like the idea of a new king in Israel. These were the high priests of Israel appointed by the Roman legions and the men of Israel who were members of the Sanhedrin council, the ruling body of, of Israel, much like our Congress today. The thought just hit me. If it's like our Congress today, that's why they were in so much trouble that day. Because that's why we're in so much trouble this day because of our, well, these men did not like the idea of their power and control over the Jews uh, was being threatened by one who could raise the dead. They didn't want to lose their power. They didn't want to lose their control. So they decided to do something about it. Let's kill Lazarus and stop the news of this miracle from spreading is all they could think about. Let me tell you something. They could have killed Lazarus three times. It ain't going to stop the news from spreading because it's already been done, amen? They believed that by killing Lazarus, they would somehow stop the Jews from following the miracle-working man from Galilee. But it was too late to stop it now. The fact that resurrection power was real and that Lazarus was alive could not be erased. Even if they did kill Lazarus, he would only rise again in the resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. And the source of life. Ain't that what he told Martha? She said, I know. Lord, if you'd have been here, you wouldn't have died. He said, look, look, look hold on. He's going to live. I know in, the, in, the, in, the, in that last day in the resurrection. Yeah, Jesus said, hey, whoa, whoa, hold on. I am the resurrection. <laughs> that might not do nothing for you, but it does something to me. Jesus is the resurrection source of life. No one could deny his power and authority over death. Nobody could. The Jews were looking for a sign. People are looking for a sign today. Amen? The Bible says signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. I don't understand church folks looking for a sign. They're supposed to be the sign. Come on. The Jews were looking for a sign. They wanted the Messiah to come, but they had to have a sign before they could believe. That sign was the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. From that moment on, many of the Jews began to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He is. He's got to be. Jesus was in Bethany again, staying at the home of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. The news of his presence spread quickly and crowds of people began to gather to see the Messiah and also to see Lazarus, the man whom had come back from the dead. Israel needed a deliverer. The Jews desperately needed a savior. They were searching for a king and now they believed that Jesus had come to fill all these needs. They just believed that. Then verses 12 through 15 on the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh uh, sitting on an ass's coat. You see, Jesus' entry to Jerusalem was prophesied uh, many years before during the, the time of the prophet Zechariah. If you go to the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, the Bible says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto uh, thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Jesus not only rode on the donkey because it was prophesied, but this was also his way of identifying with the lineage of David, who was Israel's greatest king. Until the reign of King Solomon, listen to me, every king in Israel had ridden on a donkey. King Solomon had started the tradition of riding in a chariot drawn by horses instead of because in his pride he thought that it was more befitting a king than to enter 
uh, the city on a donkey. So he changed the tradition. I'm not going to ride a donkey into this town. I'm going to get the best chariot I got, get the prettiest horses I got, put on my finest robe, do everything I can, and I'm going to ride through Jerusalem. I'm going to let the people know that I am the king. Somebody say amen. Let me tell you something, folks. If you got to mess around and prove who you are in Jesus, you don't have a whole lot of Jesus. Because when Jesus rode into town on a donkey, my friend, they recognized who he was. Why? Because of the authority. Because of the anointing. Because of who he was. And they didn't even claim this as the son of God, but that's who he was. He was an humble individual that came riding on a donkey and they began to cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, hey, the Messiah's here, folks. Let's rejoice and praise and glorify God. Therefore, Jesus was established that, he, that his kingdom was a part of the promise that had gone back all the way to Abraham when Israel was founded as a nation. When Jesus left Bethany, riding on a donkey in the fashion of ancient kings of Israel, it only fueled the excitement of the Jews that much more. There was another sign, that was another sign to them, a sign that their king was coming. Somebody shout praise the Lord right there. On the side of the Mount of Olives where the road from Bethany to Jerusalem passed, there were many palm trees growing. Jews began to line the sides of the road to witness his great historical occasion or this great historical occasion. They could tell their children and their children's children that they were there when the Messiah came to establish his kingdom. Amen. I believe and I'm getting that to the excited to the time to the point of the time that I said last week that God's going to let us know that Pine Level Church is going to begin to go places that only some people read about. But I'm getting so excited because I want to be one of the first ones to be able to say hey I was there when he came in in the midst when the blind man's eyes were opened I was there when he took him out of the wheelchair I was there when that individual died and God raised him from the dead I can tell my children hey God is real he's still in operation today I'm going to rest a minute I didn't say I was tired. I said, well, I'm resting. <laughs> they could tell their children and children's children that they were there. The years of waiting and playing were over. The years of waiting and praying were over. Our prayers have been answered. You're going to start getting news after a while that people by the multitude is going to begin to let us know that our prayers have been answered. God has come through. God has done what he said he would do. Somebody shout praise the Lord. You folks all over the world this morning that's listening to us, hey, God's still real today. Somebody shout praise the Lord out there. Amen. I know he is. Since the branches of the palm tree were considered by the Jews to be signs of joy, the victory, the joy and victory, the Jews began to break the limbs off the trees and wave them at, at, the, at, at Jesus as he rode past. When he came past, they were waving at him. The palm tree shouting, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. Golly, somebody shout praise the Lord. The scene is also described in Matthew chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now look at here. A multitude came, spread their garments in the way, and others cut down palm trees and branches and strawed them. In other words, you know, when, when the president of the United States goes somewhere, when he steps off his plane, they've rolled out the red carpet for him. Every time he's, he's walking on red carpet, when those movie stars do their thing, they go through Hollywood and do all that, whatever it is they do, it's not, as much, it's not as much now as it used to be because they've gone crazy out there and people ain't that much interested in them no more. But they roll out the red carpet. They're walking on the red carpet because they are somebody. I want to tell you something. It won't red that day, but they took their coats off and they begin to spread them out. That Jesus, he wouldn't have to be on the dirt. The donkey wouldn't walk on the dirt. They spread their garments out. They took palm trees and spread them out. They begin to wave at it. Why? Because they knew who he was. He was the Messiah, the King of Kings this morning.
My instructor told me last week, he said, Jerry, I need to talk to you. I said, what is it? He said, you're getting your doctorate, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, there's one thing missing. I said, what's that? I don't have your thesis paper. I said, really? I didn't know how to do one. <laughs> In the back of my mind, I did. I just thought I'd get away with it. Just being honest with you, nobody ain't sending it to me. Hey, I don't go around begging for stuff to do. I said, uh, I ain't got it. He said, bring it to me Sunday before you graduate. I said, okay. So I asked him, I said, what do you want? He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, this is what I want you to do. Take one of your matches and break it down for me. And exhort and express them. So you know what I did? I took the message I preached last week. How can you sleep at a time like this? I said, I said, how long you want it? He said, I want it long enough to cover its subject and short enough to keep it interesting. He explained it in another way, but I'm going to tell you how he explained it. But anyway. So I got together and I went through and I changed some stuff. Why did you change stuff? Because there's stuff there that God just moved on and changed it. Instead of how can you sleep at a time like this? God just put it in my spirit. Wake up church. And wake up America. <coughs> then got it all printed out. And on the way to church this morning, I was thinking, I was thinking now, when, when he reads that, he's going to say, it's going to say, wake up church. And then wake up America. Now, what I really meant, what I should have put on there was wake up church. And let's wake up America. America's going to wake up one day. Listen to me careful. America's going to wake up one day. But you know how she's going to wake up? The church is going to wake up America. Those that want to be woke up is going to wake up. Those that don't want to be woke up ain't going to wake up. Those that wake up is going to be with the Lord in the resurrection. Those that don't wake up, they're going to have church the next Sunday. And if their preacher's standing behind the pulpit... They're going to begin to question them. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you show me? Why didn't you? I didn't want to get you upset. I didn't want to make you mad. Because if I get you upset mad, you ain't going to pay your tithes. You're going to quit coming. You're going to go somewhere else. Let me tell you something, folks. I like to have somebody just like Jesus Christ standing behind the pulpit. But the church today couldn't handle him if he was standing behind the pulpit. Because he looked out at us to call us what, 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 what some of us are sometimes. He'd call you a stiff-necked generation. He'd call you a hypocrite. He'd call you a viper. He'd call you a snake. Well, bless God, I ain't got to put up with that. That's what them high priests thought. I ain't got to put up with this. We'll kill him. So they sought out to kill him. From this time on, they were seeking out, seeking out to kill Jesus. They were wanting to do away with the Lord. Why? Because they didn't like what he was about to do. He was about to take their authority. He's about to take their control. He's about to take it where they can't, in other words, they can't be masters over the Jews anymore. Jesus is going to set them free. You see, that's, that's what, the, king, that's what the, the high priests were. They were just, they were just uh, 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 oppressors of the Jews. They, they were just people that just wanted to master over them. Amen. But the Bible said, amen. And, and he said, Hosanna. They cried, Hosanna, the son of David. By spreading their coats and their garments along the way, the people were honoring Jesus as the king. It is said that they actually spread their garments in a fashion to resemble the booths that were, the booths, B-O-T-H, that were made from the palm branch for the, for the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was established to remind Israel that God was in their midst and as they traveled to the promised land. The Feast of Tabernacles was also called the Feast of Hosanna or praise. And, and the last day was called the Great Hosanna. The greatest praise that man could ever give was Hosanna to the King of Kings. Hosanna, hallelujah. God is still God today. It was with all of this symbolism in mind that the Jews spread their palm branches and their clothes and waved the palm branches along the way as they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Matthew 21, 10, 11. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? <laughs> everybody know who it was. Just like everybody don't know who he is today. Who is this? 
And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. You see, they recognized Jesus as a great prophet. They praised him and welcomed him as a king, but they never accepted him as the son of God, the savior of the world. They never accepted that. As he entered the city gate, Jesus was praised as the new Messiah, the man who had come to re resurrect the nation of Israel and let Israel live again. Jesus had come to bring a greater victory than they had ever imagined. He came to usher in a new kingdom, but it wasn't the, an earthly kingdom. It was a spiritual kingdom. He came to reign over the hearts of men, not over the dust of the earth. He came to break the power of sin and heal, and to heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free, not from the chains of human bondage, but from the chains of guilt and shame. That's what he was all about. Man could always rise up and break the chains of slavery, but he could never free himself from the chains of sin. Jesus came to be the savior, the deliverer, the king of kings, but he didn't come to break the power of Rome. That ain't what he came for. But that's what they were looking for. Hmm. One thing that strikes me about Jesus entering Jerusalem that day was that the first place he went was the church. He went to the temple. Matthew 12, 14, Matthew 21, 12, 14. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all. Listen. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to, to him in the temple and he healed them. Jesus don't get mad. No. He don't get upset. He loves us. He cares for us. He went in the temple and cast them out. How did he cast them out? I would take my bell off, but I've lost some weight. I might lose my britches. He took a whip. Begin to pop it. He cast them out. Get out of here. You have made my house a den of thieves. But my house shall be called the house of prayer. <laughs> and then the blind and the lame that came to him. And what did he do? The Bible says, and he healed them. First Peter 4, 17 says, for the time has come that judgment. Listen to me. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. God's getting ready. Listen to me, children. God's getting ready. The rubber's getting ready to meet the road. I use that phrase quite a bit because it really is. The rubber's getting ready to meet the road. To meet, to meet, the rubber's getting ready to meet the road, road. And judgment, before God can judge our chunder, he's got the judge in here. Oh, come on, preacher. We don't like that. I know you don't. Before he can get the world straight, he's got to get the church straight. And before the church can get straight, the church has got to submit to all his ways, all his principles, everything about him. For the time is, soon, is come that judgment must begin in the house of God. And if it first begin at us, listen, what shall the end be thereof them? What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Jesus first judged those who abused their power. Listen to me. He first judged those who abused their power and used the temple to gain a profit from the people who came there to worship for help. Now, listen to what I'm saying. He, he judged first. The first ones that Jesus judged was those who abused their power. I'm a pastor anointed by God. God has set me in order. He's given me the authority. He's told me to pastor the church. But let me tell you something. If I abuse the power that I have that God has trusted me with, when judgment comes to the house of God, do you know the first one that he's going to come to? It's going to come to me because I am the man. Amen. That's what they say nowadays. The buck stops here. So regardless what goes and comes in this church, if you guys mess up and the law has to come, you know the first one they're going to look for? They're going to look for the pastor. Where are you at? What were you doing? What's going on? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? I don't know. 
what was going on. Well, that's not an excuse. You're supposed to know everything that goes on in this house today. Oh, it got quiet right there, but listen to me. Somebody comes in and they abuse one of your children. They sexually molest one of your children out there in one of those Sunday school rooms or somewhere out there in the, wherever they are. You know where they're coming to first? They're coming to me. What have you got set in order? What have you got lined up? What, give, show me the paperwork where you're doing what you're supposed to do. And if I ain't done what I'm supposed to do, if this church ain't done what it's supposed to do, guess what can happen? They can sue us for everything it's worth. Listen to me, folks. So, you know, people don't understand all that. That's why now, going forward, because we know everybody, we think we know everybody. Going forward, when we bring people in and people take positions in the church, there's going to be a background check done. It's got to be them friends. Gonna be a background check. I started to call them and tell them to check me out, see if I was all right. It's quiet. Why is it quiet? Because that's a natural born fact. That where are they gonna go to? They're going to the head. Where's the head? When there's trouble, the pastor's ahead. When there's trouble, he's the head. Oh, that you didn't talk to the pastor. But it's something you want to do that you want nobody to know about. It's okay, let's just go ahead and do it. No, that ain't the way it's supposed to be, folks. Listen to me. They tried everything. They're they, they going to kill Jesus Christ. They're going to kill Jesus. Let me tell you something. That's people killing you and I every day that we live. What do you mean, preacher? They're killing your influence. Come on now. People talk about you, putting you down, turning you down. They're killing you. To that individual, if, if somebody comes to you and tells you how bad I am, you look at them straight in the face and you're a flat out lie. I know who he is. I know what he's all about. But instead, they'll say, okay, yeah, feed me some more. I wanna, yeah, I thought he was. I just, I, just knew, I just knew all that was going on. I just, I just had never heard nobody say it, but I knew it was happening. No, no, no. Folks, we got to start protecting one another. Because if the church don't protect the church, who in the world is going to protect the church? The devil sure ain't going to protect it. We got to protect one another. Yeah. Everything I do is, is a reflection to this church. Everything I do. Because I'm the pastor. Can I tell you this? Everything you do because you're a member of the church. Come on. You visitors that are visiting, you come often. This is your church. Please represent us well out, sir, when you, when you represent us. Somebody say praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. You see, there are many churches that you can go to today where the money changers are still operating. Every message, every message is, is, is one designed to, to, to get your money. A lot of folks are. Everything that you need carries a price tag in dollars. Many ministers won't give, a, give anything until they first take from you. God will judge those who misuse their position, abuse their authority to steal from the people. We are called to be ministers and not masters this morning. I turn the TV on sometimes. I listen to these preachers. You send me $1,000. I'm going to send you this little bottle of holy water. You take this bottle of holy water, you anoint yourself with it, you drink it, you do what you want to with it, and God's going to bless you tremendously. And right after he tells that, he'll, he'll bring somebody up with a great testimony. I gave $1,000 into this ministry, and last week I got a check in the mail for $18,447.12. A friend of mine's mama made him so mad he walked in the house one day, she couldn't even afford to buy her, buy her something to eat. She's watching TV. He walks in. She's going to the mailbox. She goes to the mailbox every day. He said, Mama, what's going on? What are you looking for? And the minister had to be on the TV. She said, I wrote him a check last week, two weeks, two or three weeks ago for $1,000. He told me I was going to receive a blessing in the mail, and I've been going to the mailbox every day. Made him mad. He said, Mama, you can't even afford to buy your food. Are you want to send that man there $1,000? Well, he said, I was going to be blessed. Well, she was blessed, but she was blessed out. <laughs> Son told her not to never do nothing like that no more. Let me tell you something, folks. You ain't got to buy nothing from God. Right. Nothing do you have to buy from God. Absolutely nothing. When them preachers say, you send me $1,000, God's going to do this, God's going to do it without you sending $1,000. 
If you got a thousand dollars you don't need, just write it to Pine Level PH Church. Notice I didn't say give it to me. Write it to Pine Level PH Church. I guarantee you to go to, you to, go to the work of the Lord. Amen. Jesus told his disciples in verses 7 and 8 in Matthew 10. And as you go, preach. Saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received and freely give. Freely you receive, freely give. Give it. The true blessing of God don't carry a price tag in dollars and cents. Only in believing and receiving by faith. Amen. And Jesus rode in that day standing in the shadows, hiding in the doorways. Let's do it. As he rode in. Standing in the shadows, hiding in the doorways, behind the windows and among the crowd were those same religious leaders who didn't want to see Jesus come as king. Their power, their authority was threatened and they were there for only one reason. To devise a plan to destroy Jesus and crush his raising, his, his, this raising rebellion of the Jews. We got to do something with this guy. We got we to really do something with this guy. Can I tell you something? When God really starts pouring himself out into Pine Level Church, you're going to hear some of the same things going on around about you. It ain't right. It can't be right. They're doing this. They're doing that. It's wrong. It's this. It's this. It's that. It's the other. Why? Because people don't like it when God begins to bless other folk. Seriously, come on, help me out. You know, they were going to stop this rising rebellion of the Jews in believing in Christ. Over the next few days, their plans began to work. The arrest, the trial, the punishment, then sentencing of Jesus to die on the cross uh, like a common criminal destroyed the belief of the Jews uh, that Jesus was the Messiah that they had hoped he would be. Amen. No. Yeah, things are changing now. They knew what they were doing. When Jesus failed to take his kingdom by force, the people turned against him with a vengeance, with a vengeance. The same, listen to me, the same crowd that had praised Jesus when Hosanna dies and waved palm branches and throw their clothes out in victory would now cry out, crucify him, crucify him. The same crowd that praised him now saying, kill him. Something wrong with that picture. Because he won't who they thought that he should have been to them. Israel only, Israel's only hope was being cast aside, all because Satan had blinded them to the fact that the Son of God was in their midst. They didn't even know it. As I read this story again this morning, I thought of how men still do the same thing today. We love the idea of a king who will provide us with all the pleasures and the desires of this life. We love a king who can heal our bodies. We, we will praise a king who has the power to raise the dead. We worship a king who will give us victory over our enemies. But like the Jews, we, quick, we quickly turn away when Jesus doesn't give us, give us what we expect. When he doesn't give us money but gives us a chance to believe in him as the Lord and Savior. We reject him because we don't want a master, just a provider. Got news for you this morning. Jesus is my master today. Paul said, I'm a slave unto the Lord. I want to be a slave to the Lord. He's my master today. Amen. What he offers is far more valuable. But we don't want that because it doesn't satisfy the needs of the flesh. Don't, aren't you glad you're not serving a fleshly God this morning? All these other folks around the world calling on their God, ain't nothing, ain't nothing can happen. Nothing can happen. They can call on Allah. They can call on uh, Buddha. They can call whoever they want to call. Ain't nothing going to happen. But when you call on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ himself, the Bible says he'll supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. How many know he owns it all today? Yes. Amen. When Jesus doesn't heal our bodies and allows us to get to the point of dying, we often turn against him in unbelief, thinking that he doesn't really care. But what he offers is healing for the heart and the soul and eternal life in a glorified body. Can't get no better than that. If I, this body dies, phew, it's gone. Everything I got at home is just like I left it this morning. My wife ain't too satisfied with the way I left some things, but if I don't get back, she go out to straighten it up. And all the time she straightened up, she said, I sure loved him. He sure didn't put mess back in place, but I still love him. What are you saying, preacher? I'm, try I'm trying to tell you this. Quit worrying about all these materialistic things. Don't be so concerned about them. Be concerned about where your heart and soul is with Jesus Christ today. That's what it's all about. Amen.
When Jesus doesn't choose to give us freedom from persecution and oppression from other people, we turn away from him because we want to be free. But what he offers is freedom from the powers of hell, freedom from eternal punishment, and victory over sin. Can't get no better than that. Let's not think like the Jews did. Don't think like they did. Let's look at Jesus as the true king and make him the Lord of our lives. Let's give him praise, shouting Hosanna in the highest. Let's recognize him as the son of God and worship him as the mighty God. He doesn't want our palm branches. He doesn't want our clothes spread out anywhere as much as he wants our hearts and our voice to be lifted in praise and our bodies given to him as living sacrifices to serve him and preach the gospel to all people telling them that the Savior has come. Look at your neighbor and say, the Savior has come. How many believe he's come? He's come, he's gone, he's coming back. Why stand you here gazing that same Jesus you see right now going up, disappearing? That same Jesus is going to come again one of these days. Ain't going to be long. Is that all right? Somebody shout praise the Lord. Ain't God good? The Lord is good, great, and greatly to be praised. This is Palm Sunday. I'm going to change the order of service here just a little bit. If that's okay. And uh, got a couple of guys going to help me out. The Bible says that Jesus, after he had finished supper, that last supper, after Jesus had finished that last supper, he was talking with his disciples and he began to do the communion thing. They all took bread, sopped it into the, the cup of new wine. Won't ferment it. Got to clear that out. Some people say, well, did Jesus drink wine? He sure did. But the wine he drank was new wine. I need wine. Get it for me. There it is. They took, the, they took the, the same cup, took the piece of bread, dipped it in there, and they ate it. What did Jesus tell them? He said, as often as you do this, do this, remember me. This is my body. It's being broken for you. In other words, he let them know. Fellas, not long from now, I'm going to be on a cross. He explained it all to them for a long time. He explained it all to them. He let them know that uh, he was going to die. So he, when they supped the wine, they took the wine, they, they drank it. And then the bread, I mean the bread. And then he told them, when they dipped it in, and they said, drink, in other words, do this remembrance of me. In other words, this is my blood. Do this and remember me. Next week, so I don't forget it. Uh, Forgot who does it. Who does the, the communion here? Who, who helps us with the communion? Miss Jean? Who? Jean Brasson. Okay, that's it. That's it. Oh, yeah, Jean and uh, Sister Cornelia. Next week we're going to do communion. I just won't get, let you know before I forget it. <laughs> and, uh, but but this, this is my, my blood. Jesus poured out all his blood for you and I. But guess what? He only took one drop, one drop of his blood. Not even that. Just a minute. In other words, his body held enough blood to save the whole entire world from beginning to end. Aren't you glad you're in that between that beginning and end? He's done that for you. Then the Bible says, where's my wife at? Get, make sure I get that bag back there in my office. Then the Bible says he took a towel and he girded himself. I'm on, I spoke to the deacons, the uh, last deacon meeting. I said, now, ask you guys something. You can get some strange looks from your deacons every once in a while. I said, let me ask you guys something. I said, y'all got confidence in me? They look at me like, it's almost like one of them doubtful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just kidding. I said, so whenever I feel like the Lord wants me to do something, 
you guys are going to go along with me, right? Amen. You said, yeah, that's okay. And I said, the Lord's getting ready to do something. I just don't know when yet, but it's working it out today. I was going to do this next week being Easter, but it didn't work out next week. So I want the deacons. We got how many, is all eight deacons here this morning? How many have we got? I'm getting these guys off, 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 off course here right now. All deacons, come up here for me. Sit on the front row. I want y'all to just have a seat on the pew right quick. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Joy, Mac, I got eight of them this morning. Jesus had 12. I got eight. I was going to do this next week, but I'm going to let you know why I'm not doing it next week. I'm doing it this week. I just prayed about it all week and... Uh, I just felt like this would be the way. How many know that Jesus told one of them guys at the Last Supper, he said, one of y'all is going to betray me. One of you guys is going to betray me. And then Brother Mike covered a thing over the, uh, the night where he said that uh, it even just, um, where it said that uh, even uh, the Bible even said that he told him Judas is the one that's going to betray me. Okay. So, but I want you to understand something this morning. When, when, when Jesus told those 12 sitting around him, he said, one of you guys is going to betray me. Now, he covered it pretty well done tonight. Jesus loved Judas from the first time he said, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. The first time he, he spoke to Judas, he loved Judas. When Judas became a disciple, he loved Judas. He never, he never done anything to, to make J Judas think that he cared any less for him than he did the others. Nothing. He loved them all the same. When Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, in my mind, I can picture in my mind, Brother Thornton, that those disciples begin to look at one another, asking each one the question, is it I? Is it I? Peter said, is it I? John said, is it I? Matthew said, is it I? You know why? You know why I feel like that was that way? Because when he said, one of you is going to betray me, he didn't specify, okay, I want to let you all know Judas is going to betray me, so it's about to get done and now it's going to be over. No, he said, one of you is going to betray me. He loved each one of them so much, so great, so deep a love he had for each one of them. I want to picture my own mind this, tonight or this morning that they were, they, were, they were thinking within themselves, is it I? What have I done to betray? What have I done that's going to cause me to betray the Lord? What have I done? No, that ain't what's going to happen. But then Jesus said, the one something, I'm trying to remember, the one that's something with the bread now, in other words, Judas, he pointed him out, said, you're the one. You're the one. I need a chair. Find me a chair. He said, you're the one. Now, the reason, I'm, I say that. the reason I'm doing that this week instead of next week, because one, one of my deacons ain't going to be here next week. I'm trying to get him to write me a three-page report why he's not going to be here. I mean, that's what I have to do at Falcon if they tell me they're going to have a special meeting. They say, if you're not going to be here, you need to email us to let us know why you're not going to be here. So, Marcus... Mark is not going to be here next week. So the reason I'm doing it this week is so you won't think that one of my deacons has betrayed me. <laughs> I told Melissa Friday night, I said, uh, Mark, y'all won't be here next, next week, Easter, right? She said, no. I said, I don't understand why that is, but anyway, I guess you can stay out when you want to. But they're going to do something <laughs> Saturday night that all of us are praying that God's going to just pour blessings upon them abundantly for many years to come. Life has been stressful enough for them. Now I'm praying it's going to be at ease for you. Everything's going to be good. I asked Brother Drake the other night, I said, you ready for all this? He said, yeah, I might as well be. <laughs> I said, you're going to be all right, Drake. 
I said, but you got a loophole some of them ain't got. He said, what's that? Oh, Ma, I need you to come get me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I believe in having fun. No, these guys are going to get married Saturday night, and they're going to haul buggy. And they restricted any of the young ones going with them. I don't understand that. But nevertheless, that's the way it goes. So that's why I'm going to do it this week. I just prayed about it, and this just seems like a good time to do it. So this morning, uh, I believe in obeying the Lord. If God says, I used that for an example one time. I had my truck. It was looking real good. It was new almost. I said, if God, I was at a church. I said, if God says bring that Z71 Chevrolet truck in front of his altar, you can believe one thing, it's going to be sitting here in front of his altar. They said, preacher, we believe that. You'd make a way to do it. I said, yeah, if God wants it done, it'll get done. So I believe in doing what the Lord wants to do. And all these deacons sitting there looking at me and no, he ain't. Yes, he is. No, he ain't. Yes, he is. Because I've been feeling this for a long, long time. I've been praying about it for a long, long time. God, when, where, and how. And this is what the Lord has put before me. Now, I want you deacons, if you would, just take your shoes off. Don't worry about what your feet look like. Nobody will see them but me. And I want somebody to come and sit down in this chair right here. Now, let me ask a question. How many has never been to a foot washing service in church? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody? Never? Nobody? Everybody else has been to a foot wash. Oh, you in for a treat this morning. I ain't getting you this morning, Chief. I'm going to get you after a while. But God's good, ain't he? Jesus, oh, Jesus, the King of Kings humbled himself enough to get down and wash his disciples' feet. Now, washing feet was a common thing in those days. When you came to a neighbor's house, you know, because you wore sandals and you didn't have socks and shoes like we have, you couldn't keep your feet clean. So before you went in the house, they, they, would, they would wash their feet before they went in the house. Sometimes the master of the house would come out and wash their feet. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes you had to wash your own feet. It all depends on who, what house you went to. If you went to high priest, oh, you'd wash your own feet. So this morning, I'm going to just do what I feel led the Lord to do. And God said, honor your leadership, honor your deacons. And that's what I'm going to do this morning as pastor of this church. Because there's nothing greater, nothing better than to be able to say, Lord, I obeyed you to the fullest. Amen. But the Bible said he took a towel and he girded himself. Now, back in the day, you folks have been to feet washing before. Back in the day, we had one bowl, 27 people, one towel, and we passed it down the line. Brother Larry, because of this crazy pandemic going on nowadays, people are scared to put their feet in the same water you put yours in. Brother Dave, they won't put in the same water you put yours in which I can understand that. That's why I've got different bowls up here and I've got different towels. I've got every towel I've got at home here almost. But, uh, but he girded himself and then he got down <clears throat> and he washed the disciples' feet. Now, why he was washing the feet, well, he wasn't just washing the feet. Why he was washing the feet, I'll tell you what I believe he was doing. I believe he was praying. I believe he was praying for the individuals whose feet he was washing. You see, because he knew each one of them. He knew what they were going to face. They knew that I'm getting ready to go. And these guys are going to be all by themselves. Now, your pastor ain't going over. I'm not going to leave. I wouldn't trust these deacons by, them, by themselves with you. I'm going to stay here. Okay? <laughs> I was just kidding. I got to quit kidding. People take me serious. But he knew but one of, the, one of the greatest things he knew was he told them that I'm going to leave. But it's expedient for you to go away because if I do not go, if I don't go away, then the comforter can't come. You see, I'm with you. I'm Jesus. I'm with you. But when I go and the comforter comes, he's not going to only be with you. He's going to be in you. The Holy Ghost can get closer. Let's figure out how I can say this now. The Holy Ghost... The Trinity is all the same. Don't misunderstand what I'm fixing to say. But the Holy Ghost can get closer 
than the body of Jesus could. Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, all three one. So, understand what I'm saying. Jesus is in there, not just with us. So Jesus got down. He washed. You've been side. watching the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, a church you can call home with people you can call family. The Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church is located on 112 East Blanche Street, and we welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 10:30 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, if you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch our services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have a Facebook account, go to facebook.com forward slash Pine Level PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page. That's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel. Get notifications when we go live. You watch our services live or on demand. Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime and listen with friends around the world. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church.